0: Doug of Row Cookers, baseball fan and barbecue world champion. You are listening to the Baseball and Barbecue Show with Lynn and Jeff. Welcome to episode 116 of Baseball and BBQ. I am here with the baby New Year, my co-host, Jeff Cohen.
1: Happy
0: New Year! And I am... (laughs) 2022! And I am the old New Year on its way out, Leonard Averman. Happy New Year, everyone. This is our New Year's episode. Yay, Jeff. Now that we just, we blew the whole budget on that song. So, Noisemakers, woo! Happy woo. New Year!
2: <laughs>
1: and, season, and season five of Baseball and BBQ. And the BBQ stands for?
0: Barbecue. Or baseball. Quickly. Yes. Come back. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know, a lot of podcasts, are on hiatus they're on the they're on a uh they they all decide to take the holiday off so they either play repeat episodes they play nothing we are pretty unique that we are giving doing i shouldn't say giving well we're giving whatever a new year's episode right
1: that's right new content
0: yes and jeff when we envision this podcast when we first started we we actually started this thing with no guests.
1: That's Exactly right.
0: And this is how it's going to be because <laughs> it's
1: the you no guest podcast, you and me. <laughs> Uh-oh. What will we do? What will we do? You know, we wish we had some type of feature that we used to do that we can bring back.
0: <laughs> the way back machine. Oh, we could do the uh, back to the, we could go back to the future.
1: Well in this case, back to the
0: past <laughs> with, with our flux capacitor. Yes <laughs> we do have we do have some things planned so we're going to do that of course. but this is yeah, this is our new year's episode. it's been it's been a crazy year. It's podcast wise. it has been a great year. We went over this in our anniversary episode so we don't need to we don't need to rehash, right
1: And the people going out there going thank goodness Whew. right. Right.
0: <laughs> like, wait a minute, no guest. Click, click, <laughs> click.
1: But we do have interesting things here. Back when back when we did have a feature called the lesser known hall of fame.
0: Yes, we did. Because, you know, everybody knows the obvious Hall of Famers, right? They know the Gehrigs and the Roots and the DiMaggios and the, the whatever, all the guys that are current you know the big names
1: right and and we are in hall of fame season now the voting is going to end on the 31st of december so when you hear this the official voting would have ended i'm not i'm not sure when they're going to make the announcement i think late january but we don't want to go over that battle because that's a lot of controversy we want to talk about someone who already is in the hall of fame that you might not know about if you haven't been up to the hall of fame recently And this is someone, when it comes to the great of the game, this person is a great of the game, but we don't know him because he he played so long ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he definitely played. He played at a time when they weren't making, you know, million-dollar contracts for a regular guy, right? It was this guy. Actually, if you look this guy up, you're going to see this guy in a picture, in a dugout with Ted Williams. Right, Jeff? Yes. And how cool is that? It's
1: pretty cool. This, this guy hit 400 before Ted Williams did. Yeah, he did.
0: As a matter of fact, he hit 440 That's right. in one season.
1: 440 in one season. Go go, figure that.
0: And it's interesting because in the picture with Ted Williams, and we'll tell you who it is, it's Hugh Duffy. Hugh Duffy. And in the picture with Ted Williams, he's pointing to the number 438. I guess that somehow they did research, as they do a lot of times, and they somehow found an extra two points. they, they, didn't,
1: they didn't round up.
0: Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I mean, yeah, you hit four thirty-eight. Might as well play, Give him, give him the couple points. He had four forty.
1: Actually, they, they found. Yeah, but they found that after he went into the Hall of Fame. Yes. Because on his plaque, and I will read you his plaque. If you don't mind? I can do that right now. Hugh Duffy, brilliant as a defensive outfielder for the Boston Nationals. He compiled a batting average in 1894, which was not to be challenged in his lifetime, 438. But then, as you pointed out, they found some more hits, and it's 440.
0: Hugh Duffy's Hall of Fame plaque. Not a lot on it. Now, can you enlighten our listeners? Because you know, I think when we went to the Hall of Fame once they told us about that and why the hall of fame plaques now have a lot more written on them
1: well because technology more recently the more recent hall of fames they can put a lot more on the plaque because of the different font sizes and and whatnot but back then they they didn't have that technology to do it so you're going to see right. in the earlier hall of famers the plaques were did not have a very long description on it little known fact Roberto Clemente's plaque actually was redone because of his name was Roberto Clemente Walker, and he wanted it to be Roberto Walker Clemente, or the other way around. I think it was Roberto Clemente Walker that he wanted on the on the plaque, and they redone it. We did that one also.
0: Wow! And you know, you Duffy, go back to you Duffy. He's not wearing a hat in this in this in the picture on the plaque. No, he doesn't have a hat on it. So you Duffy, let's give some information on on you Duffy. He played back in the the 1800s. He was a, a 19th century ball player.
1: Yes, he played from 1888 to 1906 with a break from 1902 and 1903 he did not play. So he he did he played 17 years. But let's give it a little context here. His last year, 1906, when he was 39 years old, he played in one game, had one, one plate appearance. So does that really count? <laughs> right. In 1905, with the Phillies, again, at age, at, thir- at age 38, he played in 15 games. And in 1904, with Philly, he played in 18 games. For the last three years, really didn't really play much.
0: Right. But what's the thing that I love about this game is the, is the way things are connected. I've said this before, you've got Hugh Duffy who hit 440 and he's sitting there with Ted Williams, the last player to hit 400. So it's, it it shows you that even though he played in, you know, in the late 1800s, the connection between, I I don't know, it just, to me, that whole, how it's the time, it's not that different. Do, Do you know what I'm saying?
1: Yes. Yeah, he, he hit I'm glad 440 you, <laughs> in 1894, where he had 237 hits, 51 doubles, 16 triples, 18 home runs, 145 RBIs in 125 games, and 616 plate appearances and 539 at-bats, at 440. That's unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Now, Jeff, there's a, there's a profile on Sabre, right, the uh, Sabre that you you sent over to me. Now, do they credit somebody for writing that?
1: Yes, a gentleman named Bill Lamb.
0: And we why don't we read? We don't have to read the whole thing. Talks about, you know, his parents and stuff. We don't have to read all that. But what about the let's see? The first paragraph, it says for decades, you Duffy was a franchise fixture in Boston. He had served as Red Sox manager, scout. Occasional first base coach and batting instructor, tryout camp supervisor, and all-around goodwill ambassador. Okay, it says when his obituary was published in October of 1954, many were surprised to learn that Hugh Duffy had once been baseball's premier batsman. Some 60 years before his death, the little gent had set a single season major league batting record by posting a 440 batting average.
1: And, you know, the next paragraph was something really I thought was amazing. Duffy had been an outstanding hitter, attaining yet another unique batting distinction. To this day, he is the only player in history to compile a 300 batting average in four different major league circuits. The National League, where he batted 326. The Players League, when he batted 320. The American Association, when he batted 336. And the American League at 3.02. On that top of that, amazing. Yeah, on top of that, he'd been a standout defensive outfielder, an accomplished base stealer, and an innovative baseball strategist. So that's, you know, that's something.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, when you read further about him, it's that these leagues, you know, at that time, baseball wasn't like it is now where you've got the major league, you know, the MLB, and then, you know, everything, it's really, that's it. Back then, these leagues started, these leagues stopped, they they ran out of money. You know, they it was baseball was really in its infancy.
1: Yeah, but Hugh Duffy, he, he changed leagues because of the reserve clause. Because they mm-hmm. couldn't get out, they were they were held to that one team, and the only way to get out of it is to jump to another league. Right. Now I'm sure there's more to that in the history. We can't go, we can't go into it here, but that's the primary reason why he switched leagues is because money and they didn't have the reserve, the reserve clause kept them with the one team.
0: He stole a lot of bases, big base stealer. at the time he was a home run hitter, but you know, he wouldn't be considered a home run hitter of course now, but back then he did hit a lot of home runs for that time. He
1: he played for, uh, unfortunately he played for cap Anson. What We know yes. is he was responsible for that that horrendous that it, that hideous, I should say, gentlemen's agreement that kept uh, the Negro leaguers from playing in Major League Baseball, which was just that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but he played for him, and he said that in this in this article by Bill Lamb, he said that Cap Anson, with his 19th century prejudices and Duffy's size, his religion, his ethnic background, it all counted against him against Duffy. He wouldn't play him until he had to. He had no other choice where a couple of guys just wasn't fitting the bill. And then he put Duffy in and Duffy just took off. Batted 312, 40 extra base hits, leading in lead run score and base hits, home runs, stolen bases. And he was off to, you know, you know off to the races. He, he, you know, he started his career. It was great.
0: Yeah. Again, Anson's prejudice almost. Yeah. Almost stopped him. Right. Exactly. Almost stopped Duffy from playing. Right. Duffy's first wife was 25 when she passed away. She
1: did. Yeah. She was. And he married a second time. Uh, but he did remain, they, they did not have any children.
0: Now he had a relationship with a Tom McCarthy. Tommy McCarthy, it mentions McCarthy. this in here. Yes. And I believe Tommy McCarthy is also in the Hall of Fame. I believe he okay. I think he's also in the in the Hall of Fame. You want to check me on that? I will. Okay. They made a, quite a team playing on the same, playing on the same team. Of course, back then they didn't play 162 games in a season. They didn't even right. play 150 something. What did they play? Like 130,
1: 130 something. Something, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he is in Tommy McCarthy is in the whole Fame. You are correct, sir. They're also business partners as well.
0: Right. They owned a They owned a, uh, Uh, A bar together, I guess it was called. At a
1: bowling alley.
0: Yeah, right. It was a bar slash bowling alley, which, of course, at that time, the pin setters were people. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. This is interesting. It says Duffy returned to the professional ranks in 1920, guiding the Toronto Maple Leafs of the Class AA International League to a fine 108 and 46 season.
1: Did he win the Stanley Cup?
0: Right, I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs was, was a team. I mean, that's that's wild. You got it.
1: I was gonna say you you mentioned Ted Williams earlier. It, on the Baseball Hall of Fame website, they said that during his time as a coach, Duffy had the opportunity to mentor Ted Williams during Williams' four hundred six season in nineteen forty one. Duffy maintained that the splinter, splendid splinter, was the best hitter he's ever seen. And here's a guy hitting 440.
0: Right. Wow. Can you imagine that between the two of them, the, the knowledge that what the oh, unbelievable.
1: And he is the first person, first player to reach base safely three times in one inning.
0: Now he went in the hall of fame. He was voted in by the veterans committee, according to this article. And the good thing is, he was alive to be able to appreciate the honor. You know, I always say that. Yes. Obviously, you want the person to be alive when they when they get the honor. And he was. I think he was in his. I, he was in his late seventies, yeah, early eighties. Late
1: seventy, yeah. I think he died at eighty-nine. Yeah. So, but he passed um, away in fifty-four. He was elected in, in forty-five. Wow. So I would, I would encourage everybody. You know, look up Hugh Duffy on the Stable website. Look at it up, up on the Baseball Hall of Fame website. This is really a less known of Fame who really should be more known, and which is yeah. why we which is why
0: we bring it up, yeah, definitely. that's you, duffy, four forty that yes. is that will forget if four hundred will ever be hit, and yes. I don't know if anybody will ever hit four hundred again. You would think eventually somebody will, but maybe yeah. not 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 mm. with with the specialized you know. With the bull pins that come in fresh, you know, and whatever. But for 40, no way.
1: Nope. Not at all. No way. So, Len, yes. it's 2022. Do you have any New Year's resolutions you'd like to uh, share with us?
0: Oh, wow. New Year's <laughs> resolutions. Uh, pertaining to this podcast or just life in general?
1: Anything you want. Like I think I'm, I'm saying I want to go to the gym more often. Of course, the name of my favorite bar is called The Gym, so I'm I'm thinking I'll go with
0: (laughs) that. Oh, that's good. You know, I stopped making New Year's resolutions because it just...
1: They are broken uh, half an hour
0: after making them. Right.
1: But But, for the podcast, I think I I, want to do much bigger and better things for the podcast. We obviously want to go with more, more guests, more interesting guests. Maybe some road trips. I think we do have a road trip planned. So yeah. uh that'd be interesting.
0: Yes. Yep. Yeah, the, the pandemic has definitely put a put a kink in the in, I mean, that's the that as everybody said, that should be the least of our problems. But podcast related, it's definitely affected travel. Yes. But definitely, yes, we would like to travel more. There are definitely some guests that I would like to have back on. Yeah, I'm not going to mention. Anyone, because I don't want to offend those who I don't want to have back on. <laughs> no, I want <don't> to. <laughs> I would like to have everybody back on, but, but we yes, we have a lot planned. And you know what, Jeff? We had a feature. Uh, not to. I, I know you asked me about uh New Year's resolutions. I don't have any. I don't okay. have any. I, let me let me think about it. All right. All right. But we did a feature that was Hall of Fame years in ordinary yeah. careers.
1: Yes, remember right? that one.
0: And I think you have a very good example of that. You know, right. can you first explain explain what we're talking about? What is a Hall of Fame year in an ordinary career?
1: A Hall of Fame year is when someone has a you know an extraordinary year during their playing career, but overall they're nothing, nothing special. Now let's everything in context. You make it to a major league just yeah, special special. Part. Of course. Yes. But you know. There's those great of the greats. And then there's those, you know, who are just average to below average major league players. This one guy who I found 1976, he played 10 years. San Diego Padres was his main team. His overall record pitching 100 wins, 123 losses, 3.42 ERA. Nothing special, right? He's a what? Fourth, fifth starter. In today's game, Mm -hmm. but 1976, he had a year, which is a Hall of Fame year in just an an overall ordinary career. His name is Randy Jones. He was an all-star that year. He was the Cy Young Award winner that year, and he was actually in the top 10 in MVP voting. He played for the San Diego Padres, which was not a very good team in 1976, but his record was 22 and 14. At two point seven four ERA. Now, he started forty games, and he completed twenty five of those. That's that's unheard of. It's pretty amazing. He pitched a league record that year. He led the league in, with innings pitch of three hundred fifteen point one innings pitch. The remarkable thing about this, you know how many strikeouts he had? Take a guess. Two hundred thirty. Ninety three. That's it? That's it. He gave up a lot of hits. Wow. He gave up a lot of but he was able to get out of it because he was, I believe he was a ground ball pitcher. Had a lot of double plays. Would have won a lot more games if it wasn't for the the Padres in 76. But he was a, uh, you know, that year, he was as good as anybody who ever pitched in a year. Right. I know 22 and 14, you know, doesn't sound that great, but given the circumstances, that was a pretty good year.
0: Oh, yeah. No, that's a that's a great year. I wanted to mention this. Now you're bringing that up. Yeah, 22 and 14 is a great year. And and that is a Hall of Fame year in, or, in an ordinary career, in a Major League Baseball career. But if he did that 10 years, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. Yes. But he did it once.
1: Now, the, the Padres that year was 73 and 89, Wow. finished fifth. But you know who their manager was? Uh, Turned out to be a World Series well, losing manager. But it was John McNamara.
0: Remember him? Yeah. Of course.
1: Yeah. Ten years later, he'd lose to the Mets in the World Series.
0: You talk about records of, of pitchers. And I just go back once more to uh, Duffy. There was something else that caught my eye in that Sabre biography of, of, of Duffy. He was on a team where I guess they said it was a an offensively challenged season. And because I, I think at one point it mentions they, the, the following, the following season after this, they moved the, the pitching distance to the present 60 feet, six inches before this, it was closer. He was on a team with three guys. Listen to this. This was their records. Kid Nichols, 35 and 16. Jack Stivitz, 35 and 16, and Harry Staley, 22 and 10. Can you imagine? Yeah. yeah. It was the Bean Eaters, I guess the Boston Bean Eaters. Uh-huh. And they had their record was 102 and 48.
1: I think they became the Braves, I'm not sure. But I think the Boston Bean Eaters eventually became the Boston Braves.
0: And it It says Boston uh, then swept the Cleveland Spiders in six games. The Cleveland Spiders. That was what the Cleveland Spiders that there was talk about having when they were looking to rename the team, going back to the Spiders, but of course they they settled on the Guardians. Can you imagine those records? 35 and 16. That's 51. That's 51 starts per, per per 51, 51, and then this other guy. 22 and 10, Twenty-two and ten. They, they, these guys were probably like, hey, Harry Staley, what's the matter with you? You're only yeah. 22 and 10.
1: Right. And, and yeah, they, they, they pitched and pitched and pitched.
0: Now, okay, let's go back. We are baseball and barbecue. Yes, so
1: baseball and barbecue. Let's talk a little barbecue.
0: Let's talk about the Barbecue Hall of Fame, ah. which... There's probably some people that don't realize that there is a Barbecue Hall of Fame. It's not as publicized as the Baseball Hall of Fame, but there is the American Royal, Kansas City here, Barbecue Hall of Fame. In 2012, there were three people that were voted in. One of them might surprise you as being in the Barbecue Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Henry Ford. Did he, didn't he? did he invent the car?
0: Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Henry Ford is in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Now, I know this without even looking, that he was, I guess, something with the car production. He developed the charcoal briquette.
1: Wait a second. I was only kidding. I was just being sarcastic. Are you, are you telling me this is the, the real Henry Ford?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Henry Ford, I'm going to to read it from the site. Henry Ford, best known as the founder of the Ford Motor Company, the creator of the Model T and the innovator behind the assembly line technique of mass production, also made a significant contribution to the world of barbecue. Ford's longtime interest in material science and engineering combined with his knack for maximizing resources led to his involvement in developing the charcoal briquette
1: yeah i'm amazed i i was i'm seriously i thought that was just i was just joking oh, that...
0: yeah he wow. it's the same guy henry's contribution to the modern day griller began when he realized a large amount of money was being wasted on wood used in his car manufacturing process, looking for a way to use the wood more profitably henry along with his brother in law e g you ready for this uh-huh. his brother in- law e g Kingsford. No. (laughs) You can't make this stuff up. Began using the wood scraps to make charcoal briquettes. Charcoal produced in this way is made from sawdust, typically left over from the milling of wood. It's then mixed with a binding agent and formed into blocks and fired in an oxygen-free furnace. Most of the binder burns off in the firing, but purists will say what is left can add a unique flavor to the meat being cooked the process was easy and cheap.
1: Look at that. Kingsford. initial.
0: Yeah. Initial clients included many steel mills across America. For a time, Ford charcoal was even packaged and given away with Model T's. <laughs> <Imagine>. <laughs> Buy
1: a car, get a get a uh, charcoals.
0: <laughs> I I I didn't want the car, I but I have to make chicken. <laughs> so I needed. I needed charcoal. <laughs> I had to buy a car. Oh. This proved to be a masterful marketing ploy. Quickly, people started using the briquettes for heat and cooking across the country. Originally known as Ford Charcoal, the company was renamed Kingsford in honor of E.G. Kingsford.
1: Now, is, uh, is, is, is Kingsford's last Ford letters of Ford? I mean, is that just coincidence?
0: What yeah, no, no. That's that's, that's just yeah, coincidence. His, yeah, that is coincidence. but
1: how yeah. about that yeah and he went so, in with two other guys Johnny Trigg and Guy 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 Fieri. It was, Guy, Fieri. Guy
0: Fieri Guy Fieri right yeah well Johnny Trigg his ribs he's known for his ribs and
1: well I would think yeah. that all these guys would be known for his ribs
0: yes you're right but when you watch all these shows if if uh, Johnny Trigg is on they always talk about his ribs he's somebody that we've never had on and you no. know what that's not a bad new year's resolution to get johnny Trigg on the show
1: okay i mean I've, i'm looking through the list and we had a couple of guys on the show yeah me
0: had me had good one yeah well he went in this he went in this year
1: Stephen reichland so we had a couple of these guys let's try to get some more hall of famers
0: yeah absolutely Okay. That's pretty amazing though, right? About uh, that's Ford and Kingsford. and Yes. That, that's now amazing. it says, let's see right here. Here's a guy that's in the barbecue hall of fame. His name is Speed Herrick. Dwayne Speed, in quote, Speed Herrick, also known as the sauce man, is a founding member of the Iowa Barbecue Society. Owner of Cookie Cookies Food Products in Wall Lake, Iowa, Speed started in the barbecue sauce business in the 1970s. He took a small one-man operation and turned it into the one of the largest regional sauce manufacturers in the country. It's now produced in 34 states. Very nice. interesting.
1: That's very interesting. Very interesting. That's fantastic. So, mm-hmm. Hall of Fame barbecue. Very-
0: Very interesting, but yeah, so it's not just, it's not just baseball hall of fame. It's barbecue hall of fame. And you know what, Jeff, there is a Canadian baseball hall of fame.
1: Put are on the bucket list.
0: Japan has a baseball hall of fame. They do. We had on, I was thinking about this too. I I guess, I guess this, this episode lets us just go all over the place, right? Yep. We had on Joe Posnanski right? Episode 115, right? He wrote the baseball 100. He has Negro league players in here. He has Japanese, right? I'm asking you, I didn't see it. and, And I'm asking, maybe you will say he does the all American women's baseball league. Does he, does he have any of those players in here?
1: I don't think so. I did not see any.
0: Yeah. I wish I had asked him about that because I wonder if he gave any consideration to them.
1: I don't know. That's a question we should have asked him. I I know. Well,
0: I think we'll have to have him back.
1: Yes. So, Len, it's uh, I see we're coming up on time. Have you been doing any grilling?
0: You know, Jeff, not that much. Not not as much as you have.
1: That's right. I have been grilling, as you know, and some of our listeners know that uh, I'm having my kitchen redone so i am outside in the cold in december now going into january grilling out there pork chops chicken, some turkey you know steaks and i've gotten i've used these spices these seasonings from denny mike's and they are fantastic really yes and pull back the curtain we're gonna have Den- <laughs> denny mike in a, in a couple of weeks on, on one of our episodes so but he was gracious enough to send us some some spices, and they are really fantastic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I have not had the chance to use as many as I would like. I'm going to make sure that I do before he comes on. But, yes, you have grilling it out of necessity, of course, because, you know, even though barbecue season is all year, let's face it. We're not barbecuing as much during the colder months. Right. We're just not. Right, but you don't have the kitchen. That's right. So you are, <laughs> so you have been. So what are you cooking on, mostly?
1: Uh, I've been using my Weber, but I also have used the Traeger. Yeah. So I've
0: been uh, using both, right? And pretty, pretty, pretty good. You can make anything, as they say. If you can make it inside, you can make it outside.
1: Right, but yes. like our listeners know, you're a much better barbecue chef than I am. Uh, I'm just, I'm just waiting some of those lens meets to uh, make their way over to my house.
0: Yeah. Well, I have to, uh, I I have to say, I've been trying to keep warm and stay inside, but I have to, I have to do some uh, more grilling outside. I've definitely not uh, done as much. So I confess. Okay. Confession is good for the soul. We've had some confession episodes too.
1: (laughs) And and if anybody wants to confess to us, you can call the show at 516-855-8214. Email us, bbq at gmail.com. Facebook, leave a comment on our Facebook page, Baseball and BBQ. Tweet us at Baseball and BBQ. Instagram, Baseball and Barbecue is all spelled out. Our website is www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. And please, please, please rate and review us. That would be fantastic.
0: Jeff, when will the lockout end? You've been asked that before. I don't know when the lockout will end, but I'd like to know. Will spring training start on time?
1: I hope so. But I want to read you a review that we got. Oh, yes. Good. Okay. Thank you. It says, amazing. Thank you very much. I met one of these guys and his wife waiting in line to to get into a Mets game on Saturday, August 28th, 2021. And they were so nice. And the podcast is just as good. I can't wait to listen more, more of them. And best of luck.
0: Now you left off the part where it says, I sure hope this check clears.
1: <laughs> right. And that was very, I remember meeting that guy. Very nice. Met his his wife and his child. I was online for the Jerry Kuzman day at City Field. And we were talking and uh, he got into barbecue and it was a great conversation. Nice guy. I hope, I hope he's listening to this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I hope so too. I hope a lot of people are listening to this. You know, this is this is what it would have been if we never had any guests. Boy, I'm glad we get guests.
1: I know, right? <laughs> and we have some pretty good guests that we're lining up for 2022.
0: Oh, yes. Yes, we do. Yes. Next and week
1: is going to be fantastic. Don't give it away.
0: Yeah. This is as, as a, um, if you made it this far with us, that's almost our gift to you. Another <laughs> gift to you. But that is going to be a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm I'm going to listen to that one.
1: <laughs> I would hope so. But we do have some pretty good guests lining up for the 2022 episodes. Yeah. Uh, obviously, both baseball and BBQ. Some more authors, more players, some more pitmasters, champions, restaurateurs, you name it, and give us a call. Tell, ask us who you want to, uh, you know, let us know who, who you, you would like to get get on or who get
0: back on. I will say this, Jeff. There is one person. He is on our bucket list. I don't know. Hopefully, we will get him. You know who he is. I'm going to say it. If anybody knows him, please have him contact the show. Willie Randolph.
1: Ah, I want
0: Willie Randolph. Right. Yes. And I've said it over and over, but hopefully in 2022, hopefully when we are doing our New Year's episode and about to go into 2023, I will be able to say to you, wow, Willie Randolph was a great interview, wasn't he?
1: (laughs) Yes. Well, that'd be nice to get. That's one of our guys on the bucket list. So, Len, let's end it there. How are we ending it with?
0: Oh, we've got to end it with two terrific people who I can't believe they weren't on the show this year, but I feel like they are on the show. They're always with us on the show. The poet, Shel Krakowski. The musician, Dave Dresser, with the incredible song, Baseball. Always brings you home. This is your home for baseball and barbecue. We do it like no one else. We look forward to seeing everyone in the new year. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year.